This is The Every Lawyer, presented by the Canadian Bar Association. Welcome to The Every Lawyer, a Canadian Bar Association podcast. I'm your host, Marlise Silver-Sweeney. Almost half of all Canadians will experience a legal problem over the course of a three-year period. It's a startling statistic, and one we're going to unpack on today's episode focusing on legal aid across the country. Canada ranks 20th of 38 high-income countries, according to the World Justice Project, when it comes to access to justice for civil issues. Federal contributions to legal aid have been declining since the mid-90s, and it's the most vulnerable members of our society who are hit the hardest by a lack of guidance in this area. So just what can be done about it? Our guest today is going to explain the Canadian Bar Association's Legal Aid Matters campaign launch this summer. John Gillis is the chair of the CBA's Access to Justice Subcommittee and a lawyer and CEO of his firm, Gilbert McGlone Gillis, in St. John, New Brunswick. He's the founder of a free legal clinic there, and in 2018, he won the CBA's Pro Bono and Volunteer Service Award. So, John, thank you so much for chatting with us today about legal aid across Canada. No, the pleasure's all mine. An important issue. It is, and I was actually hoping we could start by outlining the problem with legal aid in the country. I'm curious about your on-the-ground observations about funding, or maybe we should say a lack of funding, uh, in particular for civil legal matters, which are the focus of your clinic. What have you seen? Well, uh, the difficulty with funding for civil legal aid is that it is um, it's sporadic at best. The, the federal government advances a, a, an amount of money to each of the provinces, um, and the provinces differ in what they can use, what they do use those monies for in providing uh, civil legal aid. So the reality is, though, in most provinces, that there mm-hmm. is a, a, a limit. There's, a, there's an upper limit. If you make X amount of dollars, you, you're not able to get legal aid, right. uh, civil legal aid. And mm-hmm. so what this means is that people who make more than that threshold, and, and it's not a significant amount of money. It's not if you make more than a million dollars, you cannot get legal aid. It is, right. it is, it is very, very um, low. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask, what is it in your province? Do you know offhand? Off the top of my head, I do not know. Okay. But you can safely say that anyone who considers themselves middle class, they are completely illegible for, for legal okay. aid. Right. Um, and so... Uh, a, a two-family home, a, a, a two-income family home mm-hmm. would be excluded. Right. Okay. So now, when you factor that against the cost of legal services, mm-hmm. it means that the vast majority of Canadians cannot access legal advice. Mm-hmm. So the problem then compounds itself, whereby people who can no longer access legal advice, so then stuck reaching out to either Facebook or, or receiving um, the, the limited resources that are available in terms of uh, pamphlets and brochures mm-hmm. and, and trying to conduct their legal affairs uh, w- with that. Right. Everybody else um, is, is in a terrible position and they don't know it. 
until mm-hmm. that time comes when they need to reach out for legal advice. Right. And that was actually going to be one of my next question. So I'll lead into that now. And it's the fact that legal problems are actually unequally distributed. And this was a really startling statistic that I found through the CBA. But 22% of people have 85% of legal issues. So, you know, it's really worsening the inequality in Canadian society when we don't provide access to justice for that 22% of people. What have, what, what have you seen that happens in the system when people are facing a legal problem and don't have the resources to resolve it? So you mentioned reaching out to social media to get help, you know, taking it into their own hands. But what are the actual effects here? The problem comes from the, the reason that you have that 22% is their legal problems compound. You right. take a, a standard scenario. An individual who works at a you know, minimum or low-paying job barely makes it ends meet, uh, and then their employer—they've worked there for two years. Their employer decides to fire them. I can tell you right now that person cannot afford a lawyer to no. sue their employer for wrongful dismissal. So that that individual is forced to just accept um, whatever the, if their employer offers them anything, uh, right. to, to or or to take nothing and walk away. Mm-hmm. So that's that's legal problem number one, and that then that, that causes a financial stress on their family unit, which then causes say a breakdown in their their relationship, and there you have legal issue number two. They need a separation the, uh, agreement. They need a child custody worked out. They need a divorce. So you have a whole host of legal issues that come from that financial stress, and mm-hmm. then the, the individual says, "Well, now I need I need uh, creditor protection because I now have these my my creditors are chasing me, in mm-hmm. addition to my my spouse and my child support obligations." And there you have legal issue number three. So from one little incident, I w- I lost my job. Right. They had the next two years of their lives are embroiled with the legal system, and they'll get washed out the other end destitute, homeless, with nothing. The, the fix is for them to be, have access to legal advice on day one to say mm-hmm. you were fired, your employer did it incorrectly, um, and then to get them financial relief on, on, the, on the first legal issue, and that might have avoided all of the ones that flowed from it. Before we come to that 22%. <laughs> right, yeah, and thank you for explaining that, because I read that, and it was really startling to me. It was very unexpected, I guess. You know, I just didn't, I didn't understand how that worked. But once you break it, break it down, it's really evident. And it kind of ties into some more research that the CBA um, cites internationally that a dollar spent on legal aid, for every dollar spent on legal aid, about $6 are saved on other social services. Um, Can you unpack that a little bit for us? If you look at the that scenario of the person who lost their job, um, you can look it down at the when they're fine when they're homeless. That's e- that's easy. You could say, look, there's the, they would have many social services that they would they would draw on at that point. But all through, say, the family court system, uh, individuals that don't have access to appropriate legal advice mm-hmm. make poor choices, mm-hmm. and those choices lead to. Uh, they get into a dispute with their spouse because the, the, the child was dropped off 10 minutes late one night. And then the police are called. And then child services has to become involved. And so they, they without proper legal advice, saying, well, don't worry about the 10 minutes. It's, it's not 
going to make or break anything. Right. It, all of a sudden, they've they've used an, an, a massive amount of social social services simply mm-hmm. because they didn't know. And there may be other situations where those ten minutes are it, that's crucial. Right. But they didn't have access to that legal advice, mm-hmm. so they 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 either go on Facebook and say, "What should I do?" And the Facebook lawyers love to give all reams of advice that they don't know if mm-hmm. accurate or not, or or it certainly doesn't relate to the particular situation at hand. Right. And and the people wind up consuming far more uh, resources than 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 would have been if they had just had appropriate legal advice. The cost up front may seem look it's significant it's it's a lot of money, but the savings can be immeasurable, <laughs> and that's just dollars and cents. Leave aside that the individual person that needs help and needs advice to that person, the money doesn't matter. It's to that person, it's their rights have been infringed, mm-hmm. and they've been they've been treated as as not an equal member of our society mm-hmm. under the law. And so, to that person, the money doesn't matter, but to society as a whole. There is a real savings in, in when you invest money in legal aid programs, there is a real financial savings. Right. And if that in the scenario that you outlined for us, if uh, the parent could have sent an email to their lawyer or phoned someone quickly and got that advice, you know, that is a, a very little cost probably in the scheme of things uh, for the for the scenario you outlined. Right. OK, so. What is the CBA doing about it? Can you explain to us the Legal Aid Matters campaign that was launched over the summer and how it responds to the issues that you've just raised? Well, the, the Legal Aid Matters is, campaign is a campaign to to bring the the state of legal aid underfunding and 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 not directed funding uh, to bring it to the public's attention. Mm-hmm. As we enter the election cycle and now we're in the midst of the election, it becomes important for people, the citizens, to stand up and say, look, this is an important issue. I want to hear your take on it and to ask each of the candidates in their riding, mm-hmm. say, well, what's, what's your solution? And it doesn't matter what the solution is, but so what is your solution? Right. If, people, if people don't talk about it and don't ask the candidates, then, it, it, then no solution will be proposed. You know, you, you read the headlines every day and you see that the, all the parties come out with a number of different things. Mm-hmm. But but I'm yet to see one come out and say, this is what we're going to do about the access to justice problem in this country. Right. And that's really the legal aid is just a component of the access to justice problem. But it it's a key component because it, legal aid is there for the people who are at the at the very the, they're most vulnerable. And mm-hmm. so it needs to be made a, an election issue. And mm-hmm. so that's, this is the CBA's effort to bring it forward and to, to ask the politicians, what, what's your solution? What's, what's, what are you proposing to do? So one, we want to make it a, uh, a campaign issue. Right. And two, uh, we certainly strongly support a, an increase in, in federal government funding for legal aid programs. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that there be a principled approach to that funding, that it, it be uh, set, the funding be provided to reach certain uh, benchmarks, as opposed to just here's some more money to the provinces, that, that there be uh, akin to, to healthcare, that there be uh, goals and aspirational levels that look, this is the money that we're giving you and we, this is what we want to be done. Because we want Canadians treated equally under the law from mm-hmm. coast to coast, right? 
And right now, that's that's simply not happening. Okay. And will you just spell out for our listeners uh, explicitly how the CBA is uh, doing this, how they're trying to make legal aid and funding an election issue, what they're asking their members? Certainly. So there's a uh, first, well, the CBA at the at the at the very highest level has reached out to to all of the party leaders and asked for meetings to discuss to discuss the issue. Mm-hmm. The um, there's been resources developed. Uh, well, there's a social media campaign ongoing, but then they link back to to resources available for individuals to go to the CBA website, and there's a you can send a letter to your local candidates through the through the uh, through the resources on the CBA website and and ask them the question what what are you going to do what's what are you proposing to do so that people can make an informed decision when they in the voting booth um, so and the CBA is a push out to all of its members it's 36,000 plus members across the country to to really bring this to everybody's attention to, to push it out there to talk to as many people as possible so that the the, the candidates hear it when they mm-hmm. knock on people's doors that they say I saw a CBA a social media post about this what what are you proposing to do you talked a bit about how you want to see legal aid treated uh, more equally across the country what tangible results are you looking to see here uh, as a result of the campaign like to you what does have you given much thought into what that ideal model is or you know who you're going to vote for if they propose this solution well, to me, the the solution really is a, a dedicated fund federally to each of the provinces each year, mm-hmm. but not just a, just an amount of money, but a dedicated fund specific for legal aid. So it doesn't get mixed in with the with funds for other other social services. Right. It's simply for legal aid. Instead of just giving the amount to the provinces and saying good luck to you. Mm-hmm. The, the, the federal government should set out, say, we're advancing you this amount of money, mm-hmm. and this is what we want done. We want essential legal needs of the following individuals to be met. We want um, there to be uh, a, a certain quality of legal services, that we want them to be culturally appropriate. We want them to be fully accessible to those who, who suffer disabilities, and set out the benchmarks of what the funds are to be used for and how they're to be used. So mm-hmm. really in my, in my perfect world, we, we, we would have one or, or more, all of the political parties stand up and say, this is what we propose to do. And this is how we are going to solve the problem. So to provide that leadership at a federal level in the present system, it's not on the, it's not on the political radar. So there's, there's no political will to put forward plans or to put forward solutions. Access to justice sounds far-fetched and to the regular citizens and they think, oh, it won't affect me because I'm not going to wind up with any legal problems. But I see it all the time at at my legal clinic. I see it all the time. People who are smack in the middle of middle income and Mm -hmm. and they realize when they have a a legal problem, they can't afford a lawyer. Right. They they simply cannot afford it. Mm Mm-hmm. And that was actually so thanks for describing big picture what you'd like to see uh, 
at the federal level. I wanted to talk now about a more granular level, and that's what you've done to contribute to access to justice in your community. Will you tell us a bit about how you opened your little, uh, your little, your legal aid clinic and the people that it serves? No, excellent. Well, it did start out as little. <laughs> it was, uh, it, there was a call from the uh, from the Supreme Court of Canada that, look, this, this to, to all lawyers across Canada, that access to justice is becoming a problem. So mm-hmm. I took up the mantle and, and, and started the St. John Legal Clinic um, with a view to, uh, to assisting those in need. When I started, I was naive. I thought that, that the individuals coming in would be, would be the homeless mm-hmm. and would come in and say, look, I've been charged with, um, you know, vagrancy and what should I do? Or public intoxication and what should I? So I thought it would be minor, minor problems from from the most vulnerable in our society. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're right; it was little at start. When I started, there would nobody would show up to the clinics, and that was fine. I said, "Well, this is great. Maybe access justice isn't a big problem." Mm-hmm. But as word got around that that, that this resource was available, um, it uh, now we have two lawyers that operate at the intake clinic, and we. Uh, we see more clients than we can we can deal with. It wow. is, um, it is, uh, it's shocking the people that come in with, and these are these are middle income people, mm-hmm. but and they've gone to other lawyers and they said this is my problem. I want, you know, my my neighbor has taken part of my driveway. What can I do? Yeah. And I look at them and I and they say, well, I went to a lawyer X and they said, well, to get started, I'll need X thousand dollars. And right. and. To most people, X thousand dollars, they don't have a, a magic bank account sitting there with X thousand dollars and to just give to lawyers. Mm-hmm. So our, the clinic, we do see the odd individual who's truly in, you know, the most vulnerable in our society. But the vast majority are, are middle class Canadians who have realized that they can't access legal advice. Mm-hmm. And so we see them and we provide them, most of them, we just need to give them advice and they go off and, and everything's fine. Uh, others, we have, to, they, they require representation. And so we, we take on them on and, and fight their cases through to court and, wow. and give them the best result that's possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I shudder to think what some of these people would do without legal advice. So, you know, some of them are, do suffer from mental illness and Without legal advice, I can only imagine what what they would do in terms of consuming resources of the courthouse, um, all in the misguided attempts to to have their case heard. Right, and to to feel like they receive some form of justice. And then that's their right. Every course, Canadian, yeah. uh, every, every individual is entitled to uh, the equal benefit under the law. That's mm-hmm. th- that's our law in Canada, and so. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is, though, that access to justice problem has made it that not every individual does have equal benefit of the law. Mm-hmm. Um, the, in the legal aid system alone, there's inequities whereby, uh, say, a, a, an, an individual who's alleged to be mentally ill in uh, Alberta, they're entitled to and they receive limited legal aid assistance in defending these allegations that they're not mentally well and, and they should be institutionalized mm-hmm. um, versus provinces like New Brunswick, 
there's no an individual can be accused of being mentally uh, unwell and, and needs to be institutionalized for their own benefit and they have no access to a lawyer wow it's it's that inequity under the law and, and the courts mm -hmm. are are seeing it every day and, and they're starting to uh, the judges i the cases some of the cases i've read they're starting to push back and say look you're the law it's not equal and there 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 will be problems for the governments both provincially and federally that unless funding is in, is improved mm -hmm. and that's a very stark example as well you know if you the one that you outlined that that person obviously needs some form of representation no matter what the outcome they need help getting their rights and accessing their rights and it's very easy for to sit back as as a lawyer in my shoes to say oh it's it would it would be easy to fight this you would you would go get the mental health act and you would review it and you would review any recent case law and you would you would go then review the medical records but to the average individual mm -hmm. they may do one of those things mm -hmm. uh, they then they'll go on facebook and people will tell them to do six different things based on law that's already laws that don't even exist or aren't even relevant mm -hmm. they'll do some of those things they'll wind up in a worse position than they started in and and it really it, it really is they just need legal advice mm -hmm. and some people a band-aid is fine here's a pamphlet do these following six things and you should be fine yeah that's why we went to law school right it's not just a template for everything the, the problem is that uh, i think that the reason the politicians probably steer clear of it as an election issue people think oh lawyers are going to make a lot more who wants to give more money to lawyers Mm -hmm. I'm yet to see a a wealthy legal aid lawyer. <laughs> yes. It, it's yes, there are lawyers in Canada who make a very comfortable living and they provide excellent services to large corporations from large ivory towers in there and they're a necessary component of our legal system. Mm -hmm. But that's not a legal aid lawyer. A legal aid lawyer fights tooth and nail every day to provide their clients with with good service and good mm -hmm. advice, and they're not doing it to get rich. They won't get, it's impossible. Financially, it's impossible to get rich. Yeah. Um, I wanted to end our conversation today on a positive note, and that's, do you have a good story for us of helping someone through your pro bono work, like getting a really good result for someone or something that just crystallized and brought together of why you're doing this work and why it matters? Oh, certainly. Um, I would say uh, it really drove home for me the importance of it with a young psychiatric patient who was uh, murdered in a local psychiatric facility um, and nobody would take the case up because mm -hmm. it, 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 it simply the family couldn't afford a lawyer and it wasn't financially feasible for lawyers to take it on. Um, so I took the case on and, and pursued it and, and, and achieved a, a, a result. Um, but more importantly, the outcome of that is the government, uh, part of the process we had to go through was a coroner's inquest. And the end result of all of it was the government realized that there had to be changes to the, to the Mental Health Act to allow for greater protections uh, for individuals, to allow them to be cared for more in the community and to increase funding. So uh, just taking on one little case, it may, to, to most lawyers, it would have been just a, uh, not, worth, not worth it. 
mm-hmm. and it was an unexpected result, but it, it, it's now it's achieved a change to the very law that now provides much greater services to to the mentally ill. Wow. Um, and so that that really drove that was an early on one that we took on and it really drove home the importance of the work. But mm-hmm. the everyday things that we do I had a fellow in about two months ago. Um, he'd worked for his employer for for, for four years, was was let go without mm-hmm. notice um, and came in to see us. Couldn't afford a lawyer, obviously, uh, was in our opinion, was entitled to to some severance. And mm-hmm. so all it took was a phone call to the to the employer explaining to them that we recommend you talk call a lawyer and ask them but we think what you've done is is not proper the employer called their lawyer mm-hmm. realized that they'd made a mistake and and promptly paid the fellow his his four month severance that he was owed oh good um, wow and so to him that that was that was a godsend um, mm-hmm. it, it it he was at the worst place in his life he'd been terminated he had no income he, he was about to go on social assistance he had no other options in life and a simple phone call and then the employer realized the mistake they'd made and Mm -hmm. and the problem was solved and it avoided a whole host of issues but the problem is that the lawyers like myself and there are many of us across canada that do this type of service it's on a volunteer basis Mm-hmm. We do it out of the kindness of our hearts. We mm-hmm. we actually pay to do it because to rent yeah. the title lawyer from our regulatory bodies for another year costs X amount of dollars. Yeah. So in order to do what we do, we pay money yeah. to be to volunteer. So we do it out of the kindness of our hearts. And that's the problem is that the government of Canada shouldn't be sitting back and saying, providing legal advice is an essential service. Let's let a bunch of volunteers do it. Mm-hmm. Because what happens if something happens to the volunteers? Right. Then all of a sudden, this essential service that right now is being the the, the hole in the dam is being plugged by volunteers. What happens if something happens to the volunteers? Mm -hmm. Then it it would be like telling their health system, you should rely upon volunteer doctors and nurses. Mm -hmm. That's it's not it's not right. And it's not fair to Canadians. Well, that's a really nice story, though, to end on. And I can just visualize that man now having four months to get back on his feet and, you know, have the time and the freedom to, to look for a new job that's going to work for him. So thank you so much for chatting with us and outlining the importance of legal aid in our country and also the Legal Aid Matters campaign, particularly during this federal election. Yeah, well, thank you very much for having me. And thank you for the hard work you do. Uh, bringing things like this to the public's attention are, uh, is a crucial, crucial step. Thanks again to John for sharing with us his personal observations about the underfunded legal aid system in Canada, and in particular, for outlining what can be done. For more information on the CBA's Legal Aid Matters campaign, check out our website, cba.org slash legalaidmatters, or if you want to take action, go to cba.org slash federal-elections to write a letter to your candidates. You can find us on all social media channels using the hashtag LegalAidMatters. And reach out to us via Twitter at CBA underscore news, or you can reach me at my handle at MarliseSS. We are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to receive notifications for new episodes and leave us a review if you like what you hear. 
We also have a podcast in French called Je Riste Branché. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode. <laughs>